opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the content creators and should not be assumed to reflect product endorsements or the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Out who you are or who, who you were. We're doing the same thing here today, but we're not rebelling. We actually have learned from our experiences when we were younger, and we're going to take that and, and, and show and hopefully show everyone that you could take your experiences, mold them into your own, and project them as positive experiences moving forward. Olivia. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And My personal experience with this um, is more like related to the college life, um, which I think a lot of people in here can relate to. I wasn't always super involved in my community growing up when I was younger. I would, you know, my parents wanted me to try things. They didn't want my vision to ever hold me back. So they put me into things to see if I would be interested um, and enjoy it. And that included things like dance. I I like dance, but I know yesterday Tati talked about not it, how it can be difficult to see learning the smaller steps. And I had that too when I was a kid. And then I went into, I did basketball, which was like, who, why? Um, stupidest idea ever. Um, I got hit on the head a lot. And <laughs> um, I learned from that experience that it's not because I'm blind that I don't like athletics it's because i'm just not athletic in any way there's some incredible paralympians out there and you know what good for them but (laughs) not my thing so i you know i wasn't super involved in like advocacy work or the things that i am involved in now and as i grew up i started to see that i had a unique perspective that deserved to be valued by these communities um so anyway i going back to what i was saying i was not super involved in um in my community growing up other than the things that i was like put in to see what i wanted to explore and i guess an example of this is now i'm older and i am in college and i'm i'm majoring in something that i love i'm really passionate about politics about political science about social justice and so I am majoring in things that I love and I am joining groups that don't have anything to do with blindness, political groups on campus. I'm a representative for my central student government. And what I've found since I've like challenged myself to get more involved and to care more about my community around me is that people want to hear unique perspectives. And if they don't, then they don't understand how the world should be or how it's set up because everybody has a unique perspective, no matter who you are. And so it's super important for you to be able to feel safe in your community to go out and do that and to not feel like you're being held back because you have to do things differently or because you've been told all your life that you're not quote unquote normal, which what is normal anyway. Um, So I have brought this unique perspective and I've called out things on my campus that normally like they would never be noticed. Um, As a representative for central student government, I've passed resolutions. I've gotten resolutions passed with unanimous consent from a 40-member assembly about disability awareness on campus, about making sure that disabled students feel heard and supported, um, about improving our student services, our services for students with disabilities and the options to get accommodations. These are things that were never talked about until a disabled person came and said, I have a valuable perspective and I want to share it with you because most people want to help other people. You know, good humans want who, especially people who are sitting on central student government, they're there because they want to help the university in some way. But if they don't know that those perspectives are out there, they can't do that. So 
disability is can be a good thing. It can provide you with this unique perspective. And that's kind of my experience with that. And um, may I ask Olivia, so did you, I'm assuming, have to feel comfortable with your identity first before yes. moving on to well, uh, moving on to um, doing all the things that you've done at your university? Yeah, yeah. 100%. That's important. I, I couldn't go in and advocate for disabled students if I wasn't proud myself to be a disabled student or if I hadn't reconciled all the difficulties that I was facing growing up when I didn't like being different or being bullied or um, looking different in a classroom. I had to do my own research. I had to learn. I had to have a support system around me who uplifted me and who taught me that my perspective is valued and that I should love this part of myself love this part of my identity rather than push it away and choose to not interact with it or to suppress it or to be mad at it. And once I fully accepted that, and acceptance is a journey. I have days where I'm like, I hate this. I never want to be blind. I want, I want to, I don't know, whatever. That's normal. Yeah. Absolutely. I want to, I want to go to bed and wake up with 2020 vision, but but no, I want to wake up in a look, mansion. Look, but look at Olivia now, and she's a really prime example. Look That's at a, you. No, no, no. Seriously, Olivia was bullied in school for her disability, and just a few short years later, she's learned to embrace and love who she is in order to help others and become a valuable member of society. And that, to me, is really, really powerful. That really is. So, Olivia, honestly, good job with that. Oh, I mean, thank you. You're amazing. I had a, <laughs> I said this yesterday when I did my little speech for our student led discussion, but um, I was in a situation that a lot of people who are blind or disabled are not in. They're not able to be in that situation. I had a support system that was absolutely incredible. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I had a support system that was like very much, um, not the norm from what I've heard from other people. I was very lucky. And um, yeah, I did, I did do a lot of self work, but I also had people who, when I was like, I hate waking up and feeling super sick every day with chronic migraine and not being able to see anything and feeling like I can't move because I'm in so much pain. And they would tell me like, well, you're at the bottom, so you might as well get up and keep going. And if I hadn't had that, and if I hadn't had someone on the other side to be um, someone to talk to and to cry to and to vent to, I would never have been able to work through all those emotions and to accept uh, that part of my identity. You know, so we here's here's a question for I think the audience. Yeah, Olivia, I think this will be really interesting. So, everyone, and say your name, and we'll call on you. But what is the um, weirdest, even funniest, saddest, angriest? whatever experience you had as a blind person uh, as to how you were treated by others because of your blindness. Okay. Okay. I'll go to Malia and then I'll go over here. So I guess the story is kind of like the opposite of Izzy's. Um, So I did track, right? And I'm okay. So I needed like a um, sighted guide, right? So I did track sighted guide. So like people knew I was visually impaired and um, we were in this track meet with ASD and then like a whole bunch of other schools, right? Oh, sorry. ASD is Alabama School for the Deaf. Um, And 
So there was this other school called uh, Ragland and uh, at track meets before you go on a race, you kind of like meet up in the center and you kind of like talk to people. So like I was talking to this girl and like we were like talking and it was it was great time, you know. And then so we ran the race and afterward she uh, like we meet back up again and she's like, um, we're talking about like how he did in the race and she's like yeah i could have done better but there's this girl from uh the alabama school for the deaf and she looked like she was struggling really hard so i let her pass me and i was like i was like i don't think she'd want you to do that and then she's like well i would have let you pass me if you had come up well yeah i I was like but uh she was like i would have let you pass me if you had like been around there and i was like i don't want that because it (laughs) was It really invalidated my whole like journey uh, and like all the effort I put in to track. I wasn't good at it, but where I was, like I worked hard to get there, you know, and it just kind of made me like doubt everything I'd done. And and that does happen sometimes, no matter how hard you work, society uh, will, you know, throw sort of a a wrench in your plans and and you have to kind of take a step or two back and, and, and do it again and that does happen to all of us it really does yeah and i want to i'm going to go to the other tables too but i just want to say really quickly before i do that to piggyback off what edward just said um yeah like it is society that is the problem i think we can all agree that like the way society perceives disability in general and and blind people overall is really problematic um and these stories are evidence of that um but i will say that in order for us to combat the way that society perceives us to prove them wrong, we have to be united in loving and accepting ourselves as blind people before we can tell society to love and accept us too. Because there's so many people who are blind or disabled who are really struggling with accepting it. And that's totally fair. Like we both talked about, we've been there. I'm sure everybody in here has been there or is there right now. It's hard. It's hard to accept yourself. But once you can accept that identity and the majority of our community can accept that identity and feel empowered in it and understand how valued that unique perspective is, then we have a collective group of people who are all going out into our own places in society and in the country and showing people that we are confident and and changing those stereotypes. You don't have to be an activist running an event at convention or you don't have to be a, a famous YouTuber or a life coach like our panelists from a few days ago to change somebody's perspective of blindness. You just have to be confident in yourself. You just got to take an Uber. You just got to take an Uber. Yeah. And, and, and <laughs> let me just point out, uh, you have to value yourself first. You, you can't ask society to value, value you highly if you don't value yourself highly first. Mm-hmm. And if you don't value yourself highly right now, that's okay. As long as you recognize that. And then, now, and then you can go and work on it. But it does take time. So don't feel like, you know, you have to be this super blind person right now and you got to leave here today and be this amazing blind person and 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 you know it, it doesn't work that way life doesn't work that way i wish it did <laughs> you don't have to be that super blind person consistently either because it's no. okay to have hard times too 100 percent. um chris you can ask your question so um th- thank you for this presentation um i'm per- currently applying to grad school and 
my story is more like I'm having difficulties with professors accepting and even providing some reference letters because of um, supposedly, I guess I have a lack of research or something like that. Cause I'm a psychology major and I'm applying to, uh, like I said, grad school. Um, has any of y'all experienced this before? And even with like certain softwares, I, I don't know if any of y'all have heard of IBM SPSS. This kind of sounds boring, but this is an issue that needs to be brought up too. I think is highly important is the accessibility of software and a lot of these uh, different types of majors, especially when you get into the, the higher education portion of it. It's, it's unfortunate to see that, you know, all these PhDs and stuff like that look upon us as, you know, what do we do with these blind students? What do we do? How do we approach them? Uh, some of them avoid um, trying to talk to you by saying, you know, oh, I, you don't have enough research work or you don't, you know, I can't vouch for you or whatever it may be. So I guess that's my question is what, what would you say as far as ad, concerning advocacy I could do possibly to um, change their viewpoints, I guess, uh, so to speak, even though it wasn't my fault as far as certain aspects of getting into grad school and dealing with the software issues and screen readers, you know, all that jazz. So Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. No, thank you. That's a good question. Um, the first thing that comes to my mind is what um, Charlie said on our panel the other day, who's he's a blind life coach. So he's much more experienced with answering like individual questions that I do, but he addressed uh, that problem when somebody we were talking about um, how like society perceives us. And this is an example. These are people who are fully able-bodied, who are higher up in the education system because they're PhD students or they're professors or whatever. And they're perceiving you negatively because you're blind. And I think what Charlie said was like, screw that opinion. Like that, their opinion is their opinion and it doesn't matter. And there are people out there who you can find. And that's a lot easier said than done, obviously. But um, the, the biggest thing I would say is to not let that stop you because like you are, and you sound like an incredible student who is really determined and who is working hard to get that degree and to get to the next level academically and so a few people's bad opinions of blindness should not should not stop you even if it does if even if it is hard to deal with or even if they're trying to deter you it shouldn't stop you from doing everything you can to prove them wrong and i think edward yeah that's a very good point olivia uh i would also say i if i'm not be, if i'm not mistaken you have an, an accessibility issue going on as well as a perception is, issue. So two yeah. separate issues. And I could tell you in the ACB right now, I mean, there are a ton of psychology majors that I think you should uh, maybe reach out and talk to some of them because I'm sure these issues have come up before. But definitely when it comes to having to advocate for yourself or to, to identify that you have the same value as everyone else. And sometimes you do have to go that extra mile. We're not going to, you know, sugarcoat it. You do have to work maybe a little bit harder to prove that you, you can do the job and you're just as equal to everyone else. That's part of life. And that, that may be something you, you know, you would have to do, but I would encourage you to seek out the opinions of other blind psychologists uh, including PhD psychologists, there's there's a lot in the blind community. So, mm -hmm. and if you need help with that, re reach out to ACV students 
Um, I could see about putting you in touch with someone. Yeah. There are also a lot of convention seminars going on like right now about assistive technology and about um, that kind of process in education too, um, and how to use it and how to interact with it within society and within education. Um, I think. Thank you. Good question. Yeah. Thank you for your question. Yes. Um, I've had to go through this. My name's Peter. Um, I've had to go through this in, in some of my professional stuff. Um, I urge you to make them be specific, be very specific, because there are oftentimes that they say, well, you can't do this because you haven't done this or you haven't done that. And, and if you make them be specific about what it is that they don't think that you can do, you can give them results of things that you have done that are very similar or um, or the same thing, or they may be they may be challenging you to do something that's totally inaccessible, and um, and then be able to say, you know, I would really love to be able to do that, but it's not accessible to me. Would you help me get that uh, get that accessible for me? Um, and that turns those people that are against you into advocates for you. Thank you, Peter. That was awesome. Thank you. One more. Yeah, we. Uh, I think there was one more person that wanted to speak. Yeah, there was. Um, you want? Okay. <laughs> okay, here. Thank you for waiting. Oh, no worries. Hi, everybody. Um, I'm a master's student, and um, I just wanted to comment and piggyback off of what Olivia was saying about um, embracing blindness as part of your identity. And I have a story that, while sad, is important to tell because it does happen. So, when I was an undergrad, I was friends with this girl. Um, her name was Maddie. I was friends with her for three years. And um, we like hung out and we got dinner together a lot. And um, as a blind person, you know, buffets are really hard. You know, you kind of have to have someone help you through the line. So she used to help me through the line. We used to talk, whatever. It was chill. Well, one day it was Halloween and we were all going to a corn maze. And uh, my we had to take two separate cars because her car was small and there was five of us. So anyway, they ditched us. My friend, Melissa, they ditched, they ditched us. They went through the maze and you needed three people to go through the maze. So we get there and we're like, we can't go through. There's only two of us. Um, so we went through with someone else and we got out of the maze and we're like, Hey, like what gives? And she was like, well, I had to get back to my dorm room and like it would take me too long to help you through and you know it's rainy and muddy and you know we're in nature and I'd have to help you to make sure you don't fall and make sure you get through etc and uh I was like yeah so <laughs> like you you help you help me through the cafeteria line on occasion like what's wrong with going through the maze she goes well I'm in a hurry and I said okay you could have just said that you could you know instead of ditching us so anyway long story short I have a talk with her and I said, listen, I said, I don't know what's going on. I said, you kind of have an attitude change when we talk now. You don't really see, seem distant. I was like, what's going on? She goes, well, to be I said, are we even friends? I was like, it's, you've been acting really rude lately. And she goes, well, not really. I was like, what do you mean? We've been friends for three years. She goes, well, I only see you as blind and that, like someone that I need to help. And I don't really have time for that anymore. And I was like, um, okay. Like, you've seen me be super independent. You've seen me excel in my creative writing major. You've seen me grow up, even though you're only a year older than me, like, 
you know, how can you only see someone as blind? I said, you're a teaching major. You have class, you have special ed classes. They teach you about how to assist people. And they also teach you that blindness is only part of our identity. I said, if you're going to be a teacher, you need to know this. And she looked at me like I had two heads and I could tell I can't see very well, but you, you get that sense when, you know, people got eyes on you, like, what are you talking about? You know? And I was like, first of all, said, you need an attitude adjustment. I said, you're, um, I'm not just blind. I'm a person. I have other qualities. Blindness is part of my identity. And when you're a teacher, it's part of your student's identity. You should treat them the same as everybody else. If you don't, if you and I have different interests and you don't really want to talk to me anymore because we're we've we're differing personalities, that's fine. But you can't just leave me just because you only see me as blind. She didn't have anything to say about that because you know what? It's just people have this perception, and maybe she thought she was just being a good Samaritan for three years. I didn't need help with everything and everything. I don't need help tying my shoes or taking a shower or brushing my hair. I just asked her, hey. Can you help me through the buffet? Maybe twice, you know? So lesson here is if we want, if we love ourselves and we're, we're working together to change society's perceptions of us, then we need to also, then, then it's people like that. It's, 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 you know, even when you're a young kid and, and, and like some, you know, some, some moms will walk by me and my guide dog and be like, don't talk to her. She's visually impaired. Don't touch the dog. And I walk up to the kids straight and I'm like, Hey, do you want to learn about what I do? Do you want to learn my, about my dog? And 95% of the time they say, yes. Yeah. So the moral of the story here is with this girl, Maddie is she wasn't educated on blindness. She was taught that teachers just help blind people and that blind people can excel only if you help them. That's not true. Blind people can excel by themselves. And it's, and it's about educating kids when they're young and even when they're older. And we blind people are spread far apart across the U.S., but it's forums like this and like this convention where we can get together and we can say, hey, what can we do? Like, how can we educate people? And I think content creators are doing a great job, and I think we can do a great job, too. Thank you so much. Thank you. That was well said. That was awesome. And That's it just, a perfect it shows example. that we're not alone. That was a perfect example of um, everything that we've been saying. That's so awesome. <laughs> and I hope that we can encourage more people to do that because there's also like, there's no shame in needing help. There's no shame in needing accommodations in school, but there definitely is shame for people who refuse to acknowledge that you're more than just blindness and that that's one aspect of your identity. Um, and if you're willing to ask for help when you need it, and you're also willing to do things yourself when you feel empowered and that you can do it and to grow in your independence, like you're doing it better than somebody who just sees you as somebody that can't do anything without help. Yeah. And and sighted people also need help sometimes. And so it's not, it's not a blindness thing, you know? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) People said they need help from blind people sometimes. That's absolutely true. Okay, um, we're going to do one more over here and then switch to our next activity. I just wanted to follow up on what was just shared. First of all, really admire you for being so vulnerable and sharing your story. And I think all of us in the room can resonate with experiences of people whom we considered allies and friends who under finite resource situations 
just gave up and turned out to not be as we thought they were i think this is somewhat common across the board in that people when presented with additional complexities change from their fake attempts at being good samaritans to being whom they really are in your case i think the fact that it was rainy and muddy and that they wanted to get back home quicker and such made them not do the things that they wanted to usually that they should have done that they were absolutely obligated to do and i think that happens to us a lot of time even friends who think that they're trying to be helpful as often as they can they sort of step away and do that in ways that are unfair i really appreciate your ending on figuring out what we can do to change these perceptions and i try to be somewhat forward looking and solution oriented so here are just a few things that i try to do to combat this and i think this might be relevant especially in this room with a lot of students entering college the one big thing that i have realized is that a college is unlike high school where you grow up and live and are surrounded by the same couple dozen people and it's hard there are lots of other things that you're simultaneously trying to juggle so this should not be incumbent on us but i have personally found it helpful to cast my net wide to speak to a lot of different people from classes dorms clubs and otherwise and that just allows you to engage with a larger number of people so that you can actually find those humans who are decent who help you because they consider you a friend as opposed to just a blind person who deserves some charity when they have some time and feel like being benevolent so i think that said this is certainly something we should continue to push against to raise the perceptions and expectations and the notion that sighted people have about the capacities and abilities of blind people especially those that work in client facing jobs like teachers who work with students and otherwise but thank you so much for sharing your story also just wanted to say i'm happy to speak to the person who asked the question earlier who is interested in learning about accessibility and research in psychology yeah thank you bavia we'll get his information for you okay so we have one more on zoom that we can do and then we're going to have to move on just because of time sorry guys okay um sheila gun cushman ask your question So I I have more of a comment than a question I think I'm 50 years old and I've been blind all my life and I am fiercely independent and by the time I was 7 or 8 years old I realized and I guess some people may think this is a sad statement but I don't think so and I'll tell you why I realized that I didn't think I would ever be accepted by these people um sighted people is what i mean and and at first you know that's sad and all that but but then there's some freedom about it because you're like okay well then screw that i'm just going to do what i need to do be what i need to be and um i think there's a continuum of blindness i was born blind and i think that um whether you're born blind or not and whatever your visual acuity is and whatever other intersectionality you have um i i've always been poor and i've learned that i'm lgbtq <laughs> and i'm and i'm i'm still a baby rainbow and i don't even always share that um and um I think that 
there's a lot of, I think these are good discussions to have. And I think that it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to need help. It's okay if you need help brushing your hair because I have multiple disabilities and I only have one hand. I mean, I don't need help brushing my hair, but I need help with other things and not just all about blindness. And I think that we need to foster a supportive environment and foster the understanding of a continuum and, uh, and foster a, uh, an environment of know thyself, even when it's scary and then laugh about it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I didn't finish my AA, let alone anything else, because I couldn't get the math in Braille. I was in college in the 90s, and the, and the uh, student resource centers had just gotten a boost from the ADA. They were supposed to have been there from the 70s, but they weren't. So it's, it's um, or some of them weren't. So I think it sounds like the same garbage that went on back then is going on today and that's sad but I think and and I think I'm frustrated because I don't want to educate all the time I want to live my life and and I hear the need for education but I want to have discussions about like how do we the people who like educating let them educate Mm -hmm. what do the people who want to live our own lives and just you know if people are going to be stupid, get the heck away from me. <laughs> yeah, that's so fair. True. Yeah, I, Sheila, Sheila, I appreciate everything that you just said. I think that that is so valid and important to talk about that it, identity is intersectional and there's more aspects to our identity than just blindness, like, like we've been saying. And some of those other aspects are also things that we could be discriminated against uh, from or face challenges from just because they're a part of who we are and who we were born as. And so I appreciate you highlighting that and being willing to be vulnerable and all the people in this room who are, who have been vulnerable. Um, and I would say to what you said at the end, um, I completely agree. It's not up to everybody to be, um, to teach everybody in their community or everyone they come into contact with what blindness is or what their condition is or any of those things. What our job is as human beings, whether whether we're disabled or not, is to communicate our needs to others and expect that within the both the boundaries of the law and the boundaries of what it means to be a good human, that those things are followed. And when they're not, we have to be proud of ourselves enough and secure in our identity and our needs enough to be able to say what Sheila said, which is like, get away from me. I don't, I can, I can find another way to do this. I can find another person to help me another resource to use, or I can just do it myself. And that can be really, really hard because there's, it's a lot more common for somebody who can be discriminated against to have to do that than somebody who um, doesn't have any of those challenges. So we just want to be valued and respected. Yep. That's, that's, what it comes down to. Yeah. Thank you, Sheila, so much. Thank you. Um, And then, so our next activity is we're going to do a little bit of a bridge from what we just talked about. So we've just talked about a lot of the struggles of being blind, some of the things that we've heard from people, some of the um, stories that can be really difficult. So now I would like you guys at your tables and in your groups to discuss amongst each other 
what is something outside of school and blindness or disability that you are passionate about, that you love? Um, example for me, I mean, this is related to disability, but I love history and politics. And so like, you don't have to be disabled to lay on your bed and watch history documentaries all night, which is definitely not what I do. I go to all the parties. I, mm-hmm. I don't stay in and watch documentaries. Um, <laughs> I am a nerd. Thank you, Tati. Um, but yeah, so like that's an example of something. So what is something outside of blindness and, and school as a student or as a former student, if you're here and you're not a student anymore, that you have experienced. Um, And then my next question to you is, how is your identity as a blind person something that can be incorporated into those in a healthy way and not a way where you feel like you have to educate everybody? Um, So take like 10 minutes and discuss and and learn from each other about what you're interested in outside of being blind. Okay. Well, one thing we talked about is um, like, I love Braille. Jessica loves computers. Jessica was talking about someone who uh, like she was able to help even today um, with uh, their computer. And I know that she's been able to help me with my computer and my phone, but I love Braille and I love people and I love Braille and how I use that in my blindness. Um, I was at a camp called the World Affairs Seminar last week, and I was able to teach someone Braille and where um, she went out, she bought a Slayton stylus because they're not too expensive. And we're going to become Braille pals. She's totally sighted, but she was totally fascinated by Braille and learning it. And we're now going to become Braille pals. And that makes me happy. And that makes me her, that makes me happy that she wants to learn Braille and that I'll have someone to communicate with that way. And that makes her happy that she's learning a new uh a new language. That's awesome, Greg. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. How you're the thing outside of blindness that you love is the, is the work you do with the world affairs summit. And then you got to incorporate that there. And for Jessica computers, for sure. And we're going to go to this table. Malia. Yay. Okay. Um, so like the hobbies that are, aren't directly related to like the blindness identity, like uh, a lot of people at my table. So we have, we like to do fitness and uh, music and like woodworking and so yeah, it's woodworking. a lot of yeah, it's that's like awesome. wow. super cool. That is impressive. So. <laughs> that's awesome. That's so cool. I could never do woodworking. I, I would impressed. love. Is to that do Peter? Woodworking. I think I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Is there anybody here that wants to share? Hi everybody. I'm I'm uh just so all of you all know I'm the OG Jess. I was on the board before the new Jess, so I'm the OG Jess. Um, um, but we are talking about like I'm a writer, so my passion is integrating like just in, like my new perspective. My perspective is different than another writer's, right? Because I'm blind. So writing a sighted character as my protagonist has been really really fun and challenging um but kevin um the shy guy over here he likes to scuba dive so we're talking about how he can you know as a blind person blind scuba diver you get another different perspective right so he's down there he's touching algae maybe touching some fish and uh hearing the sounds of the the ocean or wherever he's at um and carrie here is talking about how she 
likes to help others. And um, John over here was talking about he how he's a perpetual student and he loves to learn. So um, great choice of activity, by the way, trying to trying to make us dig deeper. So awesome. Thank you, Thank you Jessica. Yeah, that's so awesome. I don't know if I'd characterize the man who runs down up escalators as shy, but I think it's so cool that he does the the algae. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> no, I know I'm being funny. <laughs> yes, he has at this hotel. Um, <laughs> and being a writer, that is so cool. And all the things that you guys have shared, that is so awesome that you guys can have those interests outside of being blind and incorporate your identity into them. Um, so now I think we should reflect a little bit on what we've just done and why it was important. Um, and all of you guys have just kind of like the OG just said, just dug deeper um, and learned a little bit more about what the people around you are doing with their identity as blind people and how that stuff outside of being blind can be valuable in its own right. So um, like woodworking, that's you're making really cool things with wood and that is not just valuable like because you're blind it's valuable because you're talented at woodworking and you get to bring your identity as a blind person into that um and so it connects but you're also just really good at woodworking which i think is really cool and same with scuba diving or writing um or music so you're more than just blindness that's the bottom line is uh we heard we heard from a lot of people today that do a lot of different things and we are all more than just our blindness and that's what it comes down to and that's why we wanted to do this activity today i mean i have uh people that are cited all the time that call me and know me as the cologne guy to ask me for advice about what colognes to buy seriously you know this is, so we're learning a lot about you today <laughs> so it's not I about because not... i'm blind though it's they don't call me because i'm blind they call me because i know a lot about colognes <laughs> Yeah. And that's and that and that's the whole point is, you know, you don't blindness doesn't have to overwhelm who you are. It yeah. should complement who you are. Yeah. And it should be something that you love about yourself as much as possible, even though sometimes it can be really hard. And the journey to get to that point is also very hard. Mm -hmm. um, and I kind of want to, like, wrap this up by saying that. We're all here in person, um, and, I, and I know like ACB Students is a national affiliate, so we're all spread out across the country. Then this being in person is a great place to connect. But even when we're not in person, ACB Students is a place for people who are students in whatever capacity they're students as, no matter their age, to be able to come together and to have a family of people who understand the challenges of blindness and also understand how good it can be and how and people who can lift you up and say that your perspective as a blind person is valued, but I but who can also understand where you're coming from when you're having those bad days or those hard days. And so we want to be that affiliate for you um, this affiliate is not mine or Edwards or both of ours. It's everybody in the room. And we want you to know that you can always contact us, can always join in. There's room for all of you to get involved, to expand our membership, to do fun projects, even virtually. Um, a national convention isn't it. It's not the end all be all of ACB students. There's more. The work more. starts here. Yeah, and it the work starts throughout here. the year. And if, if, if you want to help us, because we truly need 
all of you to, to help us to grow this affiliate so that we could help as many blind people as possible. We don't want other blind students that are growing up and going to be going to college to go through the same experiences that we, we've gone through. We want to make it better for, the, for, for those that are coming right after us and make it better for ourselves right now and do it together. So we are a family, like Olivia said, and we welcome anyone, all of you, that want to join us and, you know, if you could, you know, help us out and volunteer, we promise not to swamp you with work. <laughs> join, but, a, join a committee. It's yeah, super light it. work. Meet once every few weeks. How do we join a By committee, asking, Malia? Ask me. Ask. I don't ask, know. Ask us. Right well, that's now. so funny. You control one of them. Why don't do you want to say what committee was that Bavia? That was Bobby, right? We have an engagement yeah. and a membership committee. We have an advocacy. So engagement and membership, Bavia helps to run that. And so does Greg, right? And then we have advocacy and legislative committee, which I run. And we have national convention planning committee, which I also technically run. But, but if there's <laughs> but something that we need, though, if you guys think there's something that we should have, and it doesn't have to be you know, advocacy, it could be something fun. It doesn't matter. It, if you think we should have a committee, and you think you could do a good job with helping with that committee, mm-hmm. come and talk to us. Yeah. You we know, do, you're we've not done being accessible tested. gaming, things like that that are accessible more Accessible gaming. There yeah. you go. You know, that would be awesome. I would take part in that. You can email at president at acbstudents.org at first vice president or second vice president at acbstudents.org. Any of those three emails can get in contact with us. You can also follow us on social media at ACB students on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Facebook. Um, I would recommend following on Instagram right now if you want to like get in contact with somebody and DM, um, and I will respond to you and put you in contact with other people too. So thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, with that, we want to thank you guys for coming and for participating. And thank you. And Miss Olivia. And this is our last ACB students event for convention. It is, it is. So thank thank you guys for for making it awesome